monsters, madness, and ma- to the monsters madness and magic podcast i'm justin joined by my co-host henry and this evening we have three very special guests with us the howling man and groove master mr jarvis leatherby the thunder and voice of sirith ungo mr robert garvin and mr tim baker gentlemen how the hell are y'all doing great fantastic yeah <laughs> and the grunt from robert <laughs> so Tim and Rob, Sirith Ungle's history is pushing 50 years. Uh, so I suppose the appropriate place to start is the beginning. I saw an interview of Rob's. Uh, he dispelled a rumor that the band formed in 72. You said the first live show was actually in 71. So I'm going to hand it over to you guys. Take us through those formative years and how you got together and Tim landed on vocals. Yeah, that's uh, that's Rob's bag. He's the, uh, he's, the, he's the historian here, so he'll probably just tell you the same story if he's... Uh... If he's up for it. Actually, we revised that date. Actually, 72 is the date that we're saying we got together. Because even though that we were technically together in 71, the first real concert we did, which was kind of like a outdoor, like mini pop festival, was in 1972. But and, what about uh, Titanic? Are you, are you not mentioning Titanic? Yeah, well, no, that's, yeah, we, me and Greg were in an advanced literature class in seventh grade. And we'd have to meet every morning and the teacher was late. So we'd be sitting there talking about stuff. And we found out we had uh, like music in common and we both like cars, like, you know, racing and formula and racing and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that, that's how we met. And we, we had a buddy, Jerry, who played guitar. And actually I didn't play drums at the time. I just wanted to play drums. Right. And then we had another friend, Pat, whose parents were kind of like in a uh, family folk uh, band. It was kind of like the Partridge Family, except for folk music, <laughs> and uh, and so he played rhythm guitar. So we got together and we we're playing music for a while. But Pat really liked the he loved the Beatles, and so we ended up somehow we ended up playing like fifty Beatles cover songs. And me and uh, Greg and Jerry kind of liked heavier stuff. I remember Greg one day sitting out there in front of the classroom. He brought Mountain's first album over, and uh, he loaned it to me. And and over the next you know, a couple of months or so, he'd loan me like, you know, all the heavy albums that he was buying. And, and it kind of got me uh, listening into more heavy music. And so we wanted to go in that direction. And so the Titanic thing, sure, it was like first band, but, um, you know, we, we wanted to kind of split away. And so we told Pat we were going to leave and, and play some heavier stuff. Mm-hmm. And then that's how we got together. So, I mean, but I'm not counting. Titanic was, you know, 
So they, the band was called Titanic in 71 and Sirithungle officially in 72. That's the short version of it. So you just mentioned that you guys, uh, you and Greg met in advanced English class. He also mentioned that they covered 50 Beatles songs. So one fourth of an entire overrated catalog. (laughs) No. No. All right, Robert. So you met Greg in advanced English. Is that where you guys also started with the, uh, your interest in Lord of the Rings? Yeah. And that, that was actually part of it. We were actually assigned to read the Lord of the Rings and, uh, you know, back then, okay, nowadays, everyone's seen a movie and knows about it. Back then, you know, you went to class and a teacher goes, hey, here's a three 700-page, 600-page books I want you to read. You know, and we're all like, you know, we're younger kids. And we're like, wow, that's... You're going opening for that. Or <laughs> but, uh, so that was, but, but anyway, that was our first uh, um, experience with uh, J.R. Tolkien. And we were actually, you know, we, we were influenced by that. At the time, too, Greg was reading... A lot of other uh, sword and sorcery stuff like uh, Conan the Barbarian by Robert Howard and stuff like that. And so we were we were reading that along with the Lord of the Rings. And that's kind of where our, our interest in that type of uh, literature and art came from. Like I said, you guys are pushing 50 years. Is it weird now seeing how saturated, uh, I guess, the uh, fantasy world is with Lord of the Rings? And when you guys started, it was kind of a lesser known. Was the cartoon out then, back then? Yeah, as a matter of fact, when we asked permission we we got a hold of the guys that actually got the rights to release the cartoon in the united states and we asked permission you're talking about the you're talking about the backseat thing right yeah no there were well before that yeah i forgot who did it but there was actually there was a hobbit there was a hobbit um cartoon that came out oh it should have been ralph uh bashke right I, that's what I thought, but I think that came yeah. later on. They did or like a rotoscoping with the backseat thing. Well, you know, I can't, to be honest, I can't remember what it was, but we wrote the guys and said, hey, we'd like to use this for a name for our band. And they pretty much said, well, you know, that's fine. They go, just, you know, send us, you know, from time to time what you're doing, you know, just so it doesn't, you know, show badly on the, you know, their, uh, you know. The, you're not, make, you're the not making the porn. Band. So you weren't, you weren't making pornos under Sirius on the <laughs> <laughs> That's that's really what they wanted to keep you from doing, right? <laughs> I oh. actually have I actually have here, which I guess this is like the worst. This has got to be the absolute worst thing for radio. I, anyway, I'm looking at I have a document, original document here from the Saul Zentz Production Company, June 24th, 1981. A letter that Rob wrote to them, and they they wrote back and said. Uh, Dear Mr. Garvin, pursuant to our several phone conversations, this is to advise you that Saul Zentz Company has no objection to your use of the term Sirith Ungol as the name of your musical group on the conditions that you not use any other names, characters, or places from Lord of the Rings or The (laughs) Hobbit material, and that we be sent copies of your recorded product as a quality check. Good luck with your endeavor. Malcolm Bernstein... J.R. Tolkien. Holy shit. Yeah. That's pretty nice. So we've got documents here and there's a oh, lot man. of back and forth here. So, so. It's and then the, fir- and then the first thing, they, then the first thing they did is write Sheila Blair on some stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did you, you know, actually I, send them the music? I'm sure Rob's still fucking set. Rob's like, I mean. Probably worried Rob, about Rob it. Probably sent, Rob probably sent his social security check to these guys. Like, <laughs> like I, that's a whole other, you know. But I'm sure Rob, yes, I'm, I'm sure Rob followed the letter on this and, and, and then some. 
We won't yeah. tell anybody if you didn't rob. But talk about a time, though. You guys were, like, at that point to where, you know, you're not anywhere close to the um, the Jackson films. And obviously, if you try to do that now, they'd laugh at you and say, hey, we're, you know, where's our hundreds of thousands of dollars for for rights? But you guys were, like, right there at the point where it didn't you know, matter. Able, yeah. Yeah, true. basically. Yeah. yeah, it didn't matter. I mean, it was like, it was such an obscure thing. I mean, there were, it was a cartoon or whatever it was, but I mean, who was... Who was making cartoons? I guess it was a feature feature length cartoon. I don't even remember what, what it was, but you know, I wasn't involved in all that. But I mean, I I don't even remember that. So they probably just said, "Yeah, here's some some crackpot guys want to use this weird name." Yeah, what, what not going to hurt us? You know, maybe somebody will watch them if they hear the name. Yeah, yeah, it's not like it's not like Hanna Barbera was fucking banging that. Yeah, you're not. Yeah, yeah, you're not trying. You're not trying to name your band Yogi Bear and Friends or something. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, hey, I, hey, guys! I've I've something to add to that. Actually, that company, Saul's Ants Company, got their money from John Fogerty. I guess they were friends with him, so his money was the money that fronted uh, the organization for their production. And they ended up putting out one floor of the Cuckoo's Nest, Almadeus, the Mosquito Coast, the English Patient. So, I mean, it was a pretty big company for a while. Now, I mean, that had nothing to do with anything we did. I just wanted to provide that for like like back. Yeah, to sounds hey. like. You, you never you never actually sent him any music or anything else after that first letter, right? Yeah, you know what though? I, here here's the thing: those guys bought the rights, and I, I'm looking at it right now. They actually put in 1978. They put out the Ralph Bakshi uh, Lord of the Rings. Actually, there's a funny thing. I'm, I'm looking on Wikipedia. There's some controversy going on. I never knew about. <laughs> oh no, you did it! <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> Don't break the but case then, open now, man. <laughs> But they ended up, you know, they ended up, you know, once again, I'm, I'm pretty sure probably the Tolkien family retained the rights and just licensed that out. And then after 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 that thing, I'm pretty sure, you know, the guys that put out the movie, The Lord of the Rings and stuff like that, whoever the producers were actually got the rights to do that. So I don't think those guys retained those rights. And I guess we should have been sending, you know, copies of our albums to. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I actually, besides, like, he was like the. That was the company that was representing them legally, like kind of as an attorney. But I have still letterhead here, Rob, that you sent me, like from J.R. Tolkien Enterprises, like approved, secondly approving this. So, oh, you know, fuck them, okay. whatever, dude. You know, <laughs> dude, copyright, well, obviously they copyright like, doesn't they exist. Like it's 2021, dude. Nothing. Try to change your phone plan right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's just like you, you won't even get a person on the phone, dude. Like. No one cares about copyright no, anymore. No, no, no. It's always interesting, like how and when, when and where music catches on. You know, uh, hearing you guys always talking about how you weren't accepted locally because you know you had a punk scene, and then you hear folks like Rich Walker talk, and he's getting in fist fights at record stores over the latest Sirith Ungle album. So when uh, when did you guys become aware of the international following? Well, you know, it's funny. I got in fist fights over Sirith Ungle albums at record stores too. <laughs> <laughs> And and to be honest, you know, we're still not accepted where we live. Band, so. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Me neither. <laughs> <laughs> Just sitting here. Well, I guess, okay, here's what happened. The way the whole band came about was we'd been playing for a while. We put out an orange tape that we sent around to some record companies, but Jarvis just re-released recently. And uh, to get your copy, go to Iron Grip and uh, download. <laughs> and it's sold out, man. <laughs> no, no, we just, we just, we just pressed some more, so we're good. Oh, yeah, right. The, the heavymetalstore.com. Nice.
Okay, so anyway, we put that out there and gave it to some of our friends and sent it off through the mail and we never got a response back. So we thought, hey, let's do something different. Let, let's try to make a demo, uh, but but that would be as fancy as like any uh, a major record company would put out, you know? And I mean, we meant like, you know, it'd have a really good cover and it'd be pressed really good and recorded really good. So we decided that's what we're going to do. And that ended up being what everyone knows today as Frost and Fire. So a full-length LP is what you're talking about. A demo tape to a full-length LP. LP. Right. And what we wanted to do, we wanted something that, you know, also, too, we were playing some of the local clubs like the Starwood and the Whiskey and stuff. You know, you'd go down there, people drop off a tape. If you went in and dropped off like a 12-inch LP that was really, you know, had a nice cover on it and it was well-recorded, we thought that that might get our foot in the door places that uh, otherwise we couldn't and the joke was you know you'd send a cassette out to a record company and the secretary would erase a cassette and just record stuff on there for her own car um, <laughs> so we were hoping that by doing something fancy and so at the time we were friends with brian slagle and he worked at a store in woodland hills called oz records and that's kind of like a suburb of uh, the los angeles area and you know we went down there talking to him because he had a magazine out called uh, the new heavy metal review and he mm. was covering like uh, you know big bands, you know, whether it's Iron Maiden or Motorhead. And since we were local, he did a few uh, interviews and reviews with us. So we're down there dropping off some records that we had made. And we're going, you know, we wish we could, you know, do something more with this. And he put us in touch with some guys that actually uh, we ended up signing a license deal with. And what they did is they, uh, a big import export guys, and they started exporting the records to Europe. So you ask how we kind of got to Europe. That was the first way that we did. And while we're there meeting with Brian, you know, we're going, uh, you know, our dream is, you know, we want to be a famous band. And he goes, my dream is I want to start my own record company. And he asked us <laughs> if he wanted to put a song on his first album, Metal Masker One, which was a compilation. And we said, yes. So back then at the time, we were both like, you know, just people that weren't really successful, just trying to break into the music business. And, you know, our story, you know, we kind of went on for years and then fell apart and got back together. But Brian, you know, Metal Blade Records is, you know, it's the iconic metal label right. of the last century. So you guys started off uh, as an instrumental band. At any point, Tim, did you like raise your hand and say, "Hey, uh, maybe I should give the"? Would you guys like to hear what I sound like or something? No, no. How that how that morphed into what it became was like I said. They, they used to be an instrumental band, so they had all these songs, and uh, they used to practice up at, uh, at Rob's house upstairs. He had like the whole upstairs like kind of taken over when his sister moved out. So he had one bedroom for his you know bedroom. And the other bedroom in the hallway had like big closet and stuff in it. So that was, we had like recording equipment in there and they played in the bedroom. So we used to record everything, make demos, you know, of all the songs and, uh, you know, at, at night after or whenever everybody left and, and things. So we'd go in there, Rob and I would go in there and just, you know, sing on the demos and things like that. And it kind of, uh, it kind of just morphed from there. I used to do, you know, when I first met them, they were, they, they, I don't know if they, had, if they had Neil Beatty at that time or not, but I mean, then they finally got Neil Beatty for a while and singing and, and stuff, and that kind of didn't go the way they wanted it to go. So they did some concerts or like just regular, you know, shows around town. They even actually played the Whiskey A Go Go and stuff like that as an instrumental band, which is kind of really unusual, an instrumental metal band. So uh, I, I, I was like, you know, involved doing the sound and stuff like that. We were doing recordings just for kicks, and uh, it just kind of worked out that. You know, I kind of end up just like pushing my way in there and just, you know, <laughs> kind of taking taking the role on, and uh, it, you know, that's how it just that's how all that came about. Whether that's a good thing or not, I mean, you know, at the time it was a, a debatable subject, but you know, I it kind of worked out. It worked, worked out. 
Yeah, it worked out for the best for, I guess. Dude, listen, the thing I always trip about, and I never talked about this before, but just even hearing that story solidifies it. Like, because I, like, read all rock biographies. Like, that's my thing. Like, what's the deal? Like, but I've been in bands my whole life, too. In the 70s, like, what? Just every band just had roadies. They just, like, reference, like, it's like, and that's like, did these guys, did these roadies ever go on to anything? Did they ever get paid at the time? Like, <laughs> They're like, oh, on this tour, oh, yeah, like, there's all these people on their crew, you know, they had a crew, they had, like, a guy, they had a fucking sound guy, they had a light guy, you know, I mean, just hanger oh. on, <laughs> like, Tim was a hanger on, I guess, and he just fucking became the lead vocalist, but, like, <laughs> that's just the thing, you had a crew, it's like, and, like, with Night Demon, it's like, fuck, man, we've had crews, but it's like, you know, we, we, we have crews because the band doesn't make any money, that's how we have a crew, you know what I'm saying, <laughs> like, we have a we have a we have a professional operation so that we don't make any money like we have to pay people because they're actually working you know right but it seems like in the 70s every band had a fucking road crew man every hey man hey if you want if you want to get into the shows for free you gotta say you gotta be able to say i'm with the band yeah i guess <laughs> but i mean like, like you, you know, know you got, that's how it worked out brother yeah, that's the way things went yeah. back then man yeah. excuse but then, me like, though, like, like i said but, but like, like i said it was they were a posse. A yeah, posse. posse. Yeah, a better yeah, word. A yeah, better word. But that like, word came back, back in the late '80s and early '90s in gangster rap. Yeah. Yeah, but back back then, I mean, especially in Ventura, there was, uh, I mean, a very small amount of people that were into like you know heavy music and metal and stuff like that. So everybody, anybody who was into that stuff, everybody knew everybody. I mean, so and and the friends that you had weren't all into the same thing. Just like nowadays, I mean, you don't you don't hang out with somebody that's listening to you know. But I mean, back back then it was more. Of, it was it was. I don't know. It was it was kind of a more of a friendship kind of thing as far as you like you know crew and your friends. Right. It was like everybody was just involved in it. So it's like, hey right. man, those you want to come help? You want to come help us were, out? Yeah, 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 sure. But those were also the days where like you had to go out and socialize to become part of a subculture. Like you you know what I'm saying like oh yeah yeah yeah, have, yeah totally. like, you didn't know about rock and roll unless you heard about it from kid in high school, and then you had to go experience it for yourself. And then you had to grow up in it and go to parties and go to shows and start drinking, then go into bars, then Hell go yeah. into shows. It wasn't like you, you had no other outlet. The newspaper definitely wasn't the outlet. Your next no. door neighbor wasn't the outlet. It was like actually being in public and meeting people. And that's something yeah. that we're was something that we're losing every fucking day. Yeah, like, it was it was then, yeah, it, you know? it, it wasn't it wasn't like a, it wasn't like now where you can just sit in your basement. And like you know, stream stream concerts, and you know, and have, right. not have to go anywhere, and all that kind of crap. I mean, yeah, you had you had to actually go out and experience it if you wanted to find out what you you know if you wanted to find what you what you liked, you had to go search it out and actually go. I mean, just even to find out who was playing was right. a bitch, man. I mean, you had to find, you had to go, you had to, you had to find like the you know the, the Los Angeles newspaper on a Sunday. Yeah, remember like, we uh, bought the LA Weekly. They used to import the LA Weekly to Ventura. We're an hour yeah. north of LA, so we'd have to pay. It was a free paper in LA, but we'd have to pay a dollar for it because they would import it to Ventura. But it was worth it because you'd find out that week. Holy shit! All the gigs, right? Yeah, you know? yeah. Oh, yeah. You go to gig every night of the week. Anyway, you let's know. go back. To, sorry, sorry, Justin. To take, I don't want to take your interview over, but quickly. Speaking of that, speaking of going out in public and discovering things, let's talk about the artwork of Michael Whalen for. Let's start Forever with Frost Black. and Fire. Back to Rob. No, but he did. He did all the records. So for back to Rob from Frost and Fire. How'd you guys? How'd the band hook up with Michael Whalen as an unsigned band with nothing? 
to get the 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 Elric Stormbringer cover for Frost the first record. Jarvis, you're really good at this. Well, that, that was that's why I'm on the that's why I'm on the team, right? Yeah, right. right? Yeah, he, he, he's okay. part of the posse now. Yeah, that's that's it. Yeah. Hey, is that a green screen, Jarvis? Yeah, I actually took this photo though, so it's good. Oh, that's cool. Okay, so that's a very simple that's a very simple question. Okay, so we were working on this album, Frost and Fire. That's what we're gonna do release it as a demo, and we're saying we need artwork for it. The band was kind of influenced by the sword and sorcery stuff I already explained to you. And one of our favorite bands, Dust, had used a painting by Frank Frazetta called Snow Giants, where it shows three kind of barbarian guys in the snow hacking each other with a, a you know, kind of like a mountaintop in the background. And so we were thinking, well, you know, Frank Frazetta was, he'd painted all the covers of the Conan books. And so we were kind of really into that, in that whole uh, sword and sorcery art too. Mm -hmm. And so we were going to contact him where I was about ready to contact him because he had a painting that we loved called Berserker. And we actually had it hanging up in the band room while we were practicing and recording this uh, album. We had it hanging up, you know, it's painting had been out for 10 years or so. And the, right as soon as we decided that's what we want to use, Molly Hatchet came out with that. And I think it was their second album. They ended up having, like us, like having Michael Whalen, they ended up having almost all Frank Frazetta covers for their albums. So when we saw that, we're like, well, shit, that's what we wanted to use. And I remember Greg had loaned me at the time the book Stormbringer by Michael Moorcock, and I'm holding it in my hand. And I remember looking at it because we're going, you know, what are we going to use now? And I'm looking at this thing and I'm going, wow, I go, I think I said aloud, I go, this would be the best album cover ever. Of all time. Yeah, of all time. <laughs> yeah. Right. And so, you know, this is back then. I wrote on the inside of the Daw Books. I wrote Daw Books. They put me in touch with Michael Whelan. Uh, we talked on the phone. And at the time, you know, he hadn't done any other bands. I mean, he went on, I think he did Meatloaf and he did a Michael Jackson album cover. Yeah, he did, he did Bad Out of Hell too. He did Sepultura Arise. He did Chaos AD. He did Dangerous for Michael Jackson. Did wow, he do that? Michael Jackson? Yeah. yeah. What, what else is that? Sorry to cut you off, Rob. Keep going. Well, Keep going. he did some pretty famous authors. He did uh, Isaac Asimov, Robots oh, cool. of the Dawn. He did 2010, A Space Odyssey. I mean, he did the H.P. Lovecraft books. I mean, he did all sorts of really amazing fantasy stuff. And so, but this was before that, you know, and and uh, he was only 28, I think, when we contacted him and we were like 11, right? And so, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm joking. I'm but telling anyway, Mike you said that, man. <laughs> yeah, anyway, so we, we sent him some of our music, you know, and, and we agreed, you know, he agreed to let us license a cover and we actually became really good friends with him. And uh, after the band got back together, we played in Brooklyn and he's over in Connecticut. He actually drove over with several of his friends to watch the band play. That and, you know, cool. he's just an all around great guy. He's That's an great. amazing artist, though. Well, I, like, we were talking earlier before the podcast began. Me and Tim went to an art show of his down in Pasadena. And uh, the stuff is just amazing. Some of his paintings are like five feet by six feet. And they look like they're glowing. They almost look like they have like a light behind them glowing the colors through. And it just, it was so amazing. I remember Tim coming up and going, you know, what, how does someone have the talent to do this? You know, and we're talking with his son. He goes, well, you know, I grew up the whole time with my dad. You know, he's always been doing this stuff. And we told him that. And he goes, no, no, no. He goes, it's just an art. He goes, just like you guys are really good musicians. I'm a good artist. Now. But I wasn't it's buying It's funny. It. I actually when have a photo that. of you, Rob, from that. I have a photo of you from that night that I just found on my phone yeah. the other day. Because like on your phone, if you look through the albums down the iPhone, it comes up with all these faces, like of faces that happen often, you know? So it's like 12 faces, like click on this guy's face. And I saw your face, Rob, and I clicked on it. And like 
creates a slideshow of all the pictures of you and my camera roll. And there's a picture of you from that night, and you're like hugging Michael Whalen. And I think his, his shoulders like soaked from your tears. It's like, it's, it's fucking hilarious. But, but yeah, yeah. His artwork's amazing. I remember going up and seeing Stormbringer, you know, it'd been on our album for, you know, 20, 30 years by then, you know, because it was just a few years ago. I remember going up and looking at it up close. And I, you know, I literally brought tears to my eyes. I mean, it was so beautiful. And it yeah, brought tears to his shoulder on his leather jacket at his gallery showing. That's, that's what it really did. I We, we hadn't seen each other in, in a long time because the band broke up for, what, 20, 30 years. And 25 he years. Told us, yeah, he told us to come down to the art show. So me and Tim go in there. And there's all these guys from, you know, asking him questions, like a whole question and answers uh, thing going on. And we walk in, and I'm standing at the very back of the thing, and he stops everything that's going out, and he yells out. He goes, hey, you know, Rob, what's going on? You know, I haven't seen you. And, and it was just, it was so uh, refreshing. And then there's a picture of me and Tim, like, all hugging him, and he's doing, like, the horns up thing with his hands. You know, he's just, he's a good guy, you know. And, he, and he's amazing talent. And being able to use his paintings on our albums has been, like. He's an amazing place. talent. That is, a, he is really he is, he is really out of this world. He really is. I mean, <laughs> the, the, the shit he does with the fucking paintbrush, man. Art. Incredible. Painting Incredible. is something that just blows my mind every time I see it. I just can't grasp how artists create something like that. Any kind of painting, I just can't create. Imagine that. seeing that in person, though. The real, like, the, yeah. like there's no brush strokes, right? Is there, Tim? Like, what? you know what I'm saying? Like, in oh, person. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's eerie. It's it's like you just kind of look at it and you go, and you go uh, I don't know, did a human do this? <laughs> yeah, but like I've been to gallery showings, you know, I've been to like some posh things, and like I've kind of been like, man, I'm just so jaded. Like I smoke too much pot in my life, you know. Like this, you know what I'm saying? No, really though. Like like just like fuck, man. I'm trying to be, cool, but like I just this fuck. It's just I don't, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> It's not so doing you, you, for me. Are you doing that now but, or what? No, no. But seeing something like okay. that, like that good, like that good, you're just like, oh my God. Oh yeah. yeah. Like you could look at it on your phone right now and and have that feeling. But in person, like fucking blow your ass away. Anyway. <laughs> Henry, I don't want to Henry, I know you've been trying to say something. Yeah, Henry, Henry's been silent. Go ahead. No, I was just I was just saying it's it's amazing. I mean, considering that the amount of time that's passed, you know, from the previous album to Forever Black, you know, all of you guys managed to come back together. It was almost providence that you were able to get him to do another, I mean, to to get another album cover. All of you guys were able to join back together. I mean, that's, there's a lot of bands that, you know, they get back together years later and, you know, someone's dropped off or the, the artists that did everything have disappeared. But now, you know, you've released this fantastic follow-up after this hiatus and everything seems to have fallen back together. You, you've been able to get that fantastic. Um, you've been able to get a Wayland on there to, to do a new cover. And it's just, I just wanted to say how amazing it is. Like it feels like when I listened to that album, that album could have been dropped at any point of time. It would have felt like it, it was perfectly where it was supposed to be. Yeah, you know, it's funny you say that. You say, uh, you know, most bands that come back, they've, uh, you know, dropped them, dropped some members and this and that. I mean, we actually added one of the original members back, which is kind of really unusual. You know, I mean, we got Greg back in the band. So, I mean, which is really 
We yeah. Iron Maiden it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, what, what, whatever, whatever that means, I don't know what that. Means. Like Adrian Smith coming back, like. I, I'm, 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 jo- I'm, jo- I'm joking. Yeah, but I mean, I it, it is, it is pretty amazing that, uh, you know, we, we were able to get, you know, all the original guys back that were still alive. I mean, basically, except for Jerry, and of course Jimmy was, you know, on uh, Paradise Lost too. So it's, uh, I mean, it's, 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 it's really the band, you know. Plus we have this bass player guy that we got now. I mean. Uh, <laughs> that, that, that guy sitting there, uh, you know, so that, it all worked out really good. I mean, and uh, someone's, someone's got to cast the checks. <laughs> somebody, yeah, there you go. Yeah, somebody's got to write the checks. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. Uh, Jarvis, where did you come from? Like, I know you're the manager and the bassist, but you knew these guys personally beforehand. So, yeah, a little bit. I knew, I knew Rob, I knew Rob for a bit. Um, uh, I've been in like the punk scene and the metal scene for a long time with, uh, and kind of knew the guys in this legendary Oxnard punk band called Ill Repute. And they had in the drummer, Carl Valdez had worked at the city of Ventura and he had worked like worked there for life. And he had introduced me to Rob who also worked there for life. Rob worked there for 38 years. And, um, that's kind of how we got talking about it and i tried to reunite the band for a long ass time but that didn't happen like i would end up being on tour with night demon and i would call rob and be like man there's like you don't understand there's like serotonin fans like i'm in miami you know and he'd be like yeah no that's cool can you get me back can you get me backstage to scorpions and Queensryche?" and i'll be like uh i guess like i'll try and make a call you know but like i'm telling you you know people you know but it just it just evolved it evolved over time it evolved over time i mean there was a lot of things that happened but um yeah i mean it's just like a heritage thing like sirathungo is just a, it's a band that you heard about growing up and i mean it was many years before i even heard the music and then when i did i couldn't get into it when i first heard it when i was was just too a little too off the wall for me or ahead of its time or you know just I was you were, in a different... you, you were you were a, you were a punk. Well, but even beyond that, like in, in the in the '90s, like I wanted yeah. my metal to sound like the Black Album. You know what I'm saying? I was like, <laughs> I was like 12, 13, 14 years old playing music, right? And I like that I was used to that production. And I go and I get Frost and Fire, right? And it's like I thought it was cool because they were from this from town but i didn't get it then I, right but see nowadays now that my ears are mature like i rather listen to demos now like when i hear like a two mic recording i'm like okay like i feel <laughs> the raw power of the band right not some bob rock production you know? so but uh but yeah yeah i mean we'll save my story for another time um but that's basically the gist of it so you know so for you guys, know, sure. what was it about Jarvis that, uh, what was the straw that broke the camel's back? Why did you eventually just say, yeah, let's do it? Well, when Rob. the band broke up, you know, the band broke up for several reasons. Uh, a couple of members left and, um, you know, it was kind of during a time like where the hair metal thing was just raging in LA, you know I mean? You'd go down there and like, you'd be standing in line and people would be putting hairspray on you just to like go see <laughs> a band. And, uh, you know, and also too, the speed metal thing was happening. You know, Metallica and a lot of the bands were were, were taken off, and and we we just the music we were playing, we considered it like the traditional classic type heavy metal, and it, it looked like to us where things were headed wasn't where we were headed. You know, and after a couple of members left, me and Tim were there in the band room all by ourselves, and we were trying to think, hey, are we really gonna have to go out and recruit a couple of new members and teach them all the music and go through this all over again? And we've been together for over twenty years. You know, you remember, no, 
you guys were joking about not getting paid. You can't pay the roadies if the band don't make nothing. And that was something Jarvis was saying. So we just decided, hey, let's hang it up. And so also, too, we, we just put out our uh, last studio album, Paradise Lost. And we had a deal, a three album deal with that record company. And two weeks after it came out, uh, they were having me call the guys in Europe trying to get it licensed in Europe because we have a lot of fans over there. And I couldn't really talk anyone into it. And then we got a letter two or three weeks later just saying that they uh, decided not to pick up the option to release any more records. So that's when the last two members, besides me and Tim, left. And we were just sitting there going, you know, what, what are we doing this for? You know, 20 years, no paycheck, no one cares. You know, we knew we'd put out some good music, but you, you can't survive just on your love for what you're doing. Now, real artists do that, but we did do it for 20 years, so you can't say we gave up easily. And that's Well, you did, it, you did it for more than that, if you think about it, because it was 90, 1992. And also, your last show was opening for the Vinnie Vincent invasion in 92 in a secondary market. Yeah, you know. Well, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, at that point, you kind of go... Uh, let's see if I if I beat my head against this rock a little longer, maybe I won't re- realize how shitty things are right now. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I mean, that, that, well, that's kind of the way it was. I mean, like like Rob said, I, it came down to the fact where you know we weren't really getting anywhere. It didn't seem like it was going to be going anywhere. You know, right? Having to find other guys to fill in for the other guys that quit. It, it, it was just you know it was just time to hang it up. Okay, but and, for, uh, for the you know, better part. For the better part of 20 years, like let's talk about the band basically started in 71. So we're talking 20 years. So we're talking up until 92. Yeah, for 91, 92. So for those 20 years, though, you guys really like you lived it and went for it, right? Like that. that, that how that, often yeah. was the band rehearsing during 20 years and writing songs and really trying to go out there and quote unquote make it? That's what you did back then, right? Yeah, well, I mean, like I said, it was it was it was an effort that we you know we put out four albums in that time. So I mean, we practiced all the time, like you know, three or four times a week. We had a, a start studio. We had a studio we had for years, like right across from Goldmine, uh, where we recorded all the albums at. Um, you know, we'd go down, play all the clubs in L.A. You know, try to get our you know stuff over in Europe. You know, press and everything like that. It was it wasn't like now where they have the internet where you're you know, like I said, you can sit in your basement and send out all your stuff and maybe you know send it out all over the world. It wasn't like that. I mean, you have to like pack stuff up and send it out to a record company or a, a promoter or a manager or something like that. So, I mean, it was, it was just a constant, you know, struggle of not getting anywhere, especially being in Ventura. I mean, like, we weren't in LA, so we weren't really a part of the scene down there. So, I mean, that didn't help anything. I mean, if we were smart, we probably would have moved down there. We would have just, you know, circumstances being, we would have should have probably just stuck with Brian's label, you know, when it first formed and got going. But I mean, who, who the hell know where, at the time where, where that was going to go or not, you know what I mean? And we were kind of right. already committed, committed to, we were already kind of committed to these other guys and it, it was up and down, you know, it was just, like I said, it got to the point where it just got, it got to be too much and it just was frustrating and it, you know, it was just time to end it. So, but I mean like, Hey, we gave it a go. We did, we did the best that we could uh, being up here, like not having any contacts or not having any money and no promotion and shit. So, I mean, Hey, it, it was what it was. And uh, you know, yeah, uh, but nowadays like, you, you you might you might be able to do a better job of it nowadays. Like I said, with with the ease of like you know get, getting things out there and, and right. getting things done with the internet and, and all that stuff. But you yeah. know, it, 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 and, and see that's what that's one thing I want to I want to hit on really quick is that like you know like a lot of people say rock is dead and like it, you know it's impossible for a band to make it these days and stuff like that, right? But like okay, so like my band Night Demon, you know, we've been around for like 
uh, this May, it'll be like 10 years. We in 2023, it'll be 10 years since we actually released music. So really, it's about eight years. Okay. Right. You know, we were going to Europe on our first EP. We went to Mexico on our first record. You know, we were doing these things. We were getting around. We were on the internet. We were getting out there and doing these things, right? And as much as like music is just a fucking cheap commodity, right? Art, art. I was to say art is a cheap commodity these days, yeah. right? Like it should be free. People think they're entitled to bullshit, right? Mm-hmm. Back in the day, there were gatekeepers. Where it's like, if you couldn't get past the gatekeeper, you had no shot at all. So it's like people these days would look back on a band like Sir Thungle or like any great band that that started like a DIY thing, whether it be the new wave of British heavy metal, any band from the late 70s or punk band, metal band from the 80s, anything that like, you know, their first releases were very honest and like they had to do what they had to do. They had to borrow money from their parents, produce it, record it, press it, put it out. It was awesome. And then they had to play the game. They got picked up by a label and pressure. You had to make it then. Like, you had no chance. Okay? So rock is not dead now. Like, I see now how many more opportunities there are. They're so available. Even though art is a deep commodity as a product, it's all how you how you package it and what, yeah. what you can add to the to the tail end of it right but so with tim and rob with you guys what's one thing that i i i appreciate now and that i hope you guys appreciate is that you know i see a lot of things on social media where people will it's funny i always see they call them the strip ads right i see all the strip ads from the old newspapers and magazines you see all the show lineups right and you're like wow can you imagine in one month there's like all these legends playing at this club like the people that we know now as legendary. They weren't back then. Right. But you see all the opening bands. You see all these names. Who were these guys, right? We all come from places that have bands, thousands, thousands of bands that were never heard of or discovered, you know? One thing about Sarah Thungle, I can say, is at least you guys were doing the DIY thing before hardcore punk would have been doing it. Seriously. Before, like, Minor Threat. Before Black Flag. All that stuff. You guys were doing it. And all four of those albums were on labels. They were widely distributed around the world. You had distribution, you had record company, and you had the art of Michael Whalen. And that's why we're sitting here talking about it today. Okay. Yeah. So as much as as much as the band did not get its due, in a way, that alone, I mean, is a real gift. I mean, that is like an amazing thing to have. Like from day one, I mean, you know, you took a risk, you took a leap of faith without a net, and it paid off. I mean, it really did. Life is a long fucking game. Right. And that's why I'm sad that Jerry's not here and guys like this, because, like, you waited out. You waited out. These guys talk about breaking up. It's like they were not in the band longer than they were in the band before we got back together. Really, you know? Mm-hmm. Inactive right. music, you know? And so... I just want it. I want that to be known. And I want the guys in this band to know that, like, that's a really cool thing. Those records were put out by labels. They were distributed, you know, and the band never toured. They played Mexico in 1982. Other than that, it was regional from Southern California. And, and, and that's it. And now the band is doing one offs headlining around the world, you know, so redemption. I know the Anvil guys really good. I've toured with them tons of times. I wish that 
this band had that the movie because it this is the film <laughs> i'm just saying i'm just piggybacking off what you're saying man like just what robert said earlier about uh contacting the token estate like you had that's that's some balls that's some crazy stuff to do you're just like i'm gonna do it you did it it worked it's just something that you do you know you take the shot if you don't ask you don't get and just like he also said that he wrote to contact michael whalen he opened up the fucking kind of you know uh, you're He's in the fucking bookmobile at school. And like, yeah. oh, there's an address in the back. Let me write a letter, you know? That's Rob, you know? So My philosophy anyway. is you miss every shot you don't take, so I appreciate it. Jarvis said you had to go through gatekeepers back then, and that's true. But we went through Zool, the gate gatekeeper of Gozer. <laughs> Were you a god? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, when you think about it, the movement back then was, and I hate to use this word, but it, it seemed almost a little bit more organic. Like they, it was word of mouth. And, you know, over time, the band proliferated amongst fans. Whereas nowadays, it seems like bands kind of pop up and there's this huge social media explosion where they try to get things out to people and it's flashing a pan. It's still word of mouth. Though. On. It's, it, it's true. Absolutely. But, you know, modern bands, they, they have to deal with they have to deal with the next the next band in such a a proliferated way it's it's speeding up ever so I mean you can't get on what you can't get on in, in to Bandcamp or Spotify if you want to deal with that demon or whatever other you know audio platform without dealing with you know oh you listen to this guys well here's ten others that are eagerly are popping up and you should listen to their albums we're you know you're kind of flooded with choices necessarily where you don't get the opportunity to to fill a band out like how it was well, back well, in the day. Well, you know what? Well, there you go. You're, you're talking about organic things, but it, it, now you just mentioned all the modern geeks. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're talking about <laughs> Spotify. You're talking your turn. Yeah, yeah. It's, 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 that's, that's what it is now. Spotify, all that kind of crap. I mean, those guys pay people nothing, nothing at all. They're just thieves. And, uh, and if you want to get, you know, like you said, if you want to get popular, you have to make a deal with the devil in some ways. And, you know, people will do that, of course. I mean, but like, like I said, those are the modern day gatekeepers. Back back in the day, the gatekeepers were the guy who owned the local club where they, they would go, uh, well, if you guys want to if you guys want to play here, here's here's a hundred tickets you got to sell. You know, go out and, and make sure that you 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 make our money for us so we don't have to sell I any mean, crap like that. But now, right. like I said, now now it's Spotify and, and whoever the hell else. Apple Music, which are like, you know, they pay you for like, what, 0. .0001 cent per play of, of records and things like that. But I mean, hey, that's, that's the modern world. That's the way it is. It's easier to get your name out there, but there's like so much crap out there to compete with. You know, it's, it's almost impossible to, to, to break through anywhere. And it's it's hit or miss whether you do or not. I mean, you know, that's just the way of the world nowadays. It's just, it's just, it's just people's attention span is about as long as people, uh, you know, you know, you're your, how many times you flip across various websites every day you you know you check out 20 different bands within a week you know which one of them is sticking with you or you know oh, yeah. what, what music yeah so i mean whatever the radios are playing you know 24 hours a day they want to play the same one hit wonder you know 50 times a day so you're stuck with that and that's what ends up with you but you know it's definitely it's definitely more of a, a machination now than that's a good yeah, word for yeah, it. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. totally guilty of it. I'm, I'm guilty of it too, in a way, because, like I said, I, a lot of these uh, 
you know, the year end list have just come out on all kinds of websites and things like that. And it'll be like, you know, here's the top 50, here's the top 20 or whatever. And you start cycling through, oh, here's a band. You'll click on the thing and listen to like 10 seconds of something. Go, yeah, yeah, you'll move, yeah. you know, move on to the next thing and go, oh, that's kind of cool. I'll remember that. Maybe I'll, I'll, I'll listen to that later on on Apple Music where they won't get paid for it. And then you go on to like number 10, number whatever. And you listen to like five seconds and go, oh, that's, you know, I don't like that or I like this. So it's everybody's, like I said, it's not like you're going to sit down and go, Oh, here's an album. It looks interesting. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get stoned to put my headphones on and listen to the whole freaking thing all the way through, and then I'll decide whether I like it or not as a concept or what the guys I mean, you're not to do. You know, it, it doesn't that, work that way anymore. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, you're it's, not, you're not taking your weekly paycheck and and kind of gambling on the. Oh yeah, on a good on a, on a good looking record cover. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you look at that. Uh, you on the Michael Whalen artwork. Yeah, exactly. Really, right. You look I mean, at that, that artwork and you go like this. Yeah. All right, I, I well. That's exactly. I mean, that that's part of the thing. Like I said, Rob, <laughs> that, Rob, that Rob, was the Rob, genius of Sarah Thuggle, man. It's like, yeah, yeah, that, that, dude, that, the Michael exactly Whalen, right. the Michael Whalen artwork will get your paycheck, and then you hear the fucking two dollar recording. There you go, man. <laughs> the, the, I, you hey know guys. what I'm saying? The, like it was even even me as a kid, man. That the Sarah Thuggle, the covers, man. The the artwork. I mean, it's it's just. Well, you need that. You, you, but especially back in those days, I mean, like, like you said, even we today, first, dude. Well, well yeah, even today. But, 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 but even like I said, when we first met Brian, he was working at a record store, and we, and we met him because we would go down there and go through all the used records. You just flip right. through, like flip, flip, blah, 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 and you and you'd see a good album cover, and you pull it out and you go, you look at the cover, and you look at the back, and you go, oh, this looks like pretty good, and the the songs like sound good. You you buy it. You know what I mean? You take it home and it, listen to it. That's one of the great things about us having the Michael Wheatley covers. Because back in those days, there was no internet. There wasn't shit. I there mean, wasn't I mean, even listening stations at the record store. No, no, there wasn't. Know? Like, no, there no. wasn't at all. So, so I mean, you would either like go buy a record. You, you would either go look at like certain rock magazines, like Cream or like whatever the crap like that, and you'd go down to the record store and you'd find these records, or you just go by the record company cover or by word of mouth, like you said before. And that's one of the good things about having a Michael Wheeler things. I mean, you're you're flipping through records and you and you see one of those, you're gonna go, oh. oh Oh, oh shit what is this I, this has got to be good i will okay. say one thing i will say one thing really quick about today and then henry you can come in um i still think that's relevant because in the streaming world like okay next time you guys are on netflix think about that or amazon or whatever it's like i'm on shutter i'm looking and it's like i see something that looks like fucking a friday the 13th cover i'm fucking going what's this right <laughs> i'm skipping across the worst fucking thing uh, these guys had a director on here that did the mortuary collection and like i didn't like the cover it looked like fucking harry potter to me i skipped it over like for three months and then i heard the guy on their podcast and i'm like oh this is great right like you got it like it's still it's more relevant today than ever i think the initial grab of yeah. the art it's just this an image especially with instagram whatever culture we live in the picture's worth a thousand words. That that is still true. That's cool. Hey, hey, guys, you guys. Uh, hey. Sorry, we're we're kind of taking taking this over. I mean, you guys, you guys probably actually have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Real, yeah. Real hey, what the podcast is about. <laughs> Can I say something? Sure. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, who's there? Is that Rob? Oh, there you are. It's Wolf Rob's Boy. Here. Hey, Wolf, Wolf enough Boy. talking about even history. Let's talk about the album that Metal Dot Italy's poll picked the best album in twenty twenty forever. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, there you go. the readers picked us over Purple, Blue Oyster um, Cult, 
ACDC and Ozzy bands that we grew up worshiping. So to even have our name on a list like that is amazing for us to come in first, not by the critics, but by the readers. When I saw that, I just, it blew me away. When you mentioned things like that, you know, the readers, you know, you've certainly got your injection of new guys, obviously myself and Justin. I mean, you know, we've, have been listening to metal for a while but we're still the young guys on the block but you've got these readers and you've got guys that have moved on from you know picking up the old metal zines and um you know magazines and they've moved on to the internet and you know they see these albums and they're following these bands for you know for decades and they come to this point and you guys release this album and they say after all this time compared to all these other guys you know that have survived the wasteland of of, of metal this is, and I say wasteland in the sense of, you know, bands come and go, but, you know, this was the album in 2020 that, that, that stood the test of time. That's got to mean something. That's got to be, I mean, that's got to be an honor. So when I first saw that popped up, it reminded me of my cousin and uncle that played that music for me as a kid. And I was like, I, you know, I wish, I wish they were still around to see this because this was such a long time coming, but this music is a lot of times good good music is passed down amongst people they pass it on to you and you you know they say hey check this cd out and they hand it over to you and then you listen to it and that's how the good stuff's passed used to be passed on or you know you went into a record store and you hung around long enough to where the guys that ran the stores actually gave you their opinion instead of trying to sell records but well the, the thing about you know you're, you mentioned that it, it's funny because i'm sure a lot of people had a a bit of trepidation when they say, Oh, Cirrus Uncle's gonna gonna put something out. Like, oh man, this is gonna be like a freaking train wreck or something. These like these they haven't done shit for 30 years. They're probably all old and stupid. So I mean, you know, we we kinda we kinda did the witch's game thing and uh that went over really well. And I think it gave people a, an idea of like, oh hey, you know what? It's not gonna suck and these guys can actually still make some, you know, some something that we want to listen to. So Yeah, we did one uh, song. Yeah. 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 It, it, I mean, first, it, yeah. We're, we're, we're still waiting for the movie to come out, which you're still working on. So, and, and that, <laughs> that kind of gave, that, that kind of gave us the, you know, the, the, the push to say, you know what, uh, we can still do it, you know, and, and, uh, it just spurred us on to, you know, to do forever black. And, uh, we have some other things in the works coming up. I don't know if we want to mention what's going on specifically. Oh yeah. Here. Oh yeah. Yeah. But, uh, you know, we, we've actually got a, we've all got another full album of songs already pretty much figured out and uh an ep which i would should, should i say that jarvis or what yeah we got an ep coming out uh this we'll give an exclusive here to the podcast it's not been announced but we have an ep coming out late may this year which is called half past human and the artwork is the sixth piece of the elric series that michael whalen did so we're completing the circle now of all six pieces which was um, Frost and Fire, Key of the Dead, One Foot in Hell, Paradise Lost. Uh, we skipped, Witch's Game was a separate piece that he did. Forever Black was, was a separate piece. I'm, a, I'm Alive um, was the other one. I'm Alive. The, the, the Live, the live album, album. Which was yeah. the fifth Elric piece, and now Half Past Team is the sixth piece. So we have the full Michael Elric series, all six paintings now on, on Serotonal releases. That EP's coming out. Like Tim mentioned, we have about a song that's written for another full length. Um, the band will play shows again in either late, late this very, very late this year or 2022. 
um, <laughs> like considering we're all still still uh, still uh, here and not uh, COVID death or whatever's going on. And um, yeah, there's 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 actually things happening. A lot of good, is, a lot of good uh, things going on. Yeah. So hey, uh, so maybe like I said, we should maybe explain a little bit about that EP that's coming out. If Rob wants to like tell the story of like all those songs or whatever. Yeah, go ahead, Rob. First, Tim, can you spell the word trepidation? <laughs> I, 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 I can. Would you like me to, really? I think it's C-O-C-K. Is that what it is? It's like S-H-U-T-U-P. Trepidation. Trepidation. So anyway, Rob, you want to explain the EP or you want me to do it? Well, let's do a tag team thing. When I tag you, you go for it. Yeah, That's what she said. Yeah. Ooh. I guess so. Many, okay, many we put times. out Forever Black. We put out Forever Black, and once again, I'm I'm still shocked. A, a lot of different websites and magazines and stuff included us in the top ten. They liked 20. it. Yeah, a lot okay. of them got picked one or five or second or anyway. So we we got that out, and we were trying to figure out you know what we should do before we put on another full length album. And uh, we had a lot of people, you know, they like the orange tape. A lot of people like some of our older stuff. So we decided to. <laughs> put out an EP with four of our older songs that you know we breathe some new life into, and so that's what this is going to be. And I, I'm pretty excited about it. I think the people that liked Witch's Game, you know, are going to like this because it, it's 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 less like Forever Black and it's more kind of like our older stuff, but with right. a little bit more uh, better production values and excitement and Jarvis. Well, uh, Jarvis. okay, well, yeah, well, well, <laughs> the, there's four there's four songs on it. One of the, one of the songs that's on it is the uh, is uh, called Brutish Manchild. Which we did on a flexi disc that came out in like I think it was, what was it Decibel Magazine uh, last year, and people were going like, "Why wasn't that on Forever Black?" And you know, so uh, we're actually putting that on this EP, uh, totally different recording, by the way, because I mean that that was just done at the time. Um, the other three songs are songs that, that we've a couple of them are on the orange on the orange tape from like years and years ago. There's another one that's never been heard before. Uh, I think Greg's old band Falcon did a couple of them, but we've actually gone in and did these these songs, all new recordings, all new everything. Like you know, with with how we how we do things now. Right. So I think people are gonna, they're, they're, you know, their older songs are like all kind of beat related songs. They've called you know, Half Past Human is like one of the songs. The one British Man Child. There's the song on there, She Lives Lair, um, uh, and then uh, we got Route Six Six Six, which is one of the songs on there. So. They're all kind of older songs, but they're done in, the, in our in our what we're doing now. So I think I like to call them reimagined. I like to call them yeah re-imagined. reimagined. Yeah, they're, they they actually came out really good, man. I mean, I I listened to them numerous times, and I think everybody's going to be really pleasantly surprised. And and uh, it, it's just kind of a we're glad to be doing this. Like I said, in the meantime, while we're working on the next full length album, so it'll give people some you know something fresh to listen to. And uh, they came out really good, and we're really looking forward. I I wish it were. You know, I wish it'd be out before May, but nothing I can do about that. We could do oh, no. two complete full albums of just old songs. But I mean, at our age, and like you mentioned, you kept saying, oh, 50 years in, whatever. We're not young men anymore. And so what we want to do is we want to use these last few years of the band being uh, out there and, you know, still together uh, to actually do something serious and actually uh, put a place mark in the, in the band's history before, you know, we exit stage left. So I think well, I mean, look, hey, we're the band's headlining Keep It True in Germany. It's already sold out 3,000 tickets April 29th, 2022. I mean, there's a lot of shit coming up for the band as far as that goes. And, you know, well, and that, I'm not I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that 
what we want to do instead of like just rehashing old songs that we wrote and record, uh, you know, like 40, 40 years, years ago. ago. Yeah, we, yeah. Yeah, we, we, we have a whole uh, series of new ideas that we want to put out. And since people loved Witch's Game and people like Forever Black, I think the new stuff that we have is even heavier than that. And so I think, you know, once again, this, this is our, our, our final 15 minutes of fame and we're going we're gonna to use it to the limit. In regards to Forever Black, uh, how much of that material was floating in your head for 29 years, and how, was it all just fresh? Zero, zero. It it was all yeah, it was all it was all fresh. We wrote it, you know, in the last like you know, been back together. Uh, we from the first concert that we played was what 2016. Yeah, October 26. October yeah, 2016. Yeah, yeah, 2016, and then we and then we got contacted to do the Witches Game thing, which kind of got our juices flowing. It took us a while to, to do that because I had to write it twice. For, for various reasons, uh, but uh, it, it's all fresh material. It wasn't anything that we had before, so we all worked it out as a band. And like I said, uh, that album came out really spectacular, and people seemed to like it. And I think the next album is going to just take that to the next level. I mean, the songs are, are even better than that. I think you know. I mean, that, that, I really love that album. It came out really good, and the songs are great. I think. Like Rob was saying, I mean, I think we just really want to come out with the maybe what might be the last thing that we do, and just totally, you know, just take it over the top and just kick some, like, just kick ass, you know. Jarvis, how did uh, you go from trying to get these guys back together to being the bass player? Just by default, like it was the thing where, like, we started with just Rob on drums. You know, he swore he wouldn't touch a pair of drumsticks ever again. I mean, he sold his drums in '92. His wife bought him a pair of drumsticks as like a stocking stuffer in 2004. And he wouldn't even take him out of the stocking. He saw him sticking out and he berated her Christmas morning. And, and she, he made her actually physically take them out and put them up in top of the closet. And then 11 years later, he grabbed the sticks after my persuasion and came and played on Dusty, uh, Night Demon's drummer. He played on his kit. I left him up in the studio for two hours to play after he hadn't touched a pair of drumsticks or a pair or drums for 25 years. And it sounded like Animal from the Muppets. <laughs> it was like fucking insane. But he, it sounded like he was having a good time. But it, was, it wasn't like riding a bike. The training wheels were off. So it kind of started like that. And so me and Brent from Night Demon, like we would play Frost and Fire and I'm Alive with Rob, you know, a couple times a week. And then I called Jimmy from Paradise Lost Record and said, hey, you want to come play some songs with Night, some Sirithunga songs with Night Demon? And he's like, yeah, I think that'd be really cool, man. Thanks, that'd be really fun. And then he showed up and saw Rob and Rob's like, what's he doing here? And he's like, what's he doing here? And I was like, oh, I don't know. And then like, okay, we jammed one song and it was amazing. And then Greg came in, Greg decided, we called Greg and he came in. Greg wanted to play guitar, or Greg, sorry, Greg wanted to play bass. But I'm like, he, but he owned 20 guitars. So I was like, no, you're the guitar player. So he played. And then Tim was always, Tim would come to every rehearsal. Didn't matter who was there. It could have been just me and Rob sometimes. You know, we were getting together a lot back then. Tim would come to every rehearsal and refuse to sing. But he would always just sit and go, oh, I want to hang out. He'd be the first one there and the last one. But I would always set up a mic in the back of the, the PA on. And what I swear, one day after like three months of rehearsing, like we heard the voice. Well, we were playing, and we're like, oh, man, it was so good. It was great. There was a lot of rumors back then that... Uh, that I was dead. That he was dead. That, <laughs> like, 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 that was the rumor around the... Not just around the internet, but around town. 
we were in a lockout studio at that time where there was like uh, 14 bands in one space, right? Rehearsing. And um, I remember some guy going, oh man, I heard you got Sarah Thungle back together. I heard you guys jamming. Sucks Tim Baker's dead. And Tim walks right in the door. And this guy's <laughs> like, he's like, he saw a ghost. He's like, what the fuck? You know, like, yeah, it was crazy. But, uh, but yeah, that's kind of how it went about. I really, really, really tried hard to get the original bass player in. We talked to him many times. I had him come and do the signing session when the guy, that's really how this started. We did the Frost and Fire Festival in Ventura, which is a traditional metal festival that we named Frost and Fire in honor of Sarah Thungle. And that's the first time these guys got back together in 2015. Tim, Rob, Greg, and Flint, just to sign autographs, not to play or anything. And people flew in from all over the world to just to meet them and tell them their stories and their history of the band. It was a really, really awesome thing. But we've tried with Flint. We were trying to get, uh, we got a reunion together where we, he was going to come to Germany with us and this thing. And then, you know, I mean, he's got his own thing going on. I mean, the thing is, we, we've thrown out the option many times. And, you know, what are you going to do? You can't hold up the band for him. You can't hold up the band if the bass player doesn't want to play, right? Like, it's like <laughs> the bass player, even in that movie, that thing you do, like the guy, the bass player doesn't even have a name. You look at the credits, he's a bass player. It's right. Like, yeah. You got to do it. So I just kind of got it by default. But it's cool because, you know, I manage the band and like, uh, I feel like I have a lot of live experience playing live. I mean, I played live, like I've played over 1500 gigs in my life. And like, I get to direct traffic on stage. I get to interact with the band more on stage. Right. As opposed to be the manager yelling on the side of the stage in a suit that's high, like, like, it's like, you know, <laughs> you know, at least I have an instrument and I can whisper in somebody's ear, like, hey, dude, like, you know, your, your, your amp's off, you know? <laughs> Like, hey, uh, that's not, I, I will say this, and I'm sorry, Greg's not here to defend himself, but man, the first gig we ever did, that reunion show, the first song, we played Join the Legion, and Greg was so nervous, he got turned around. So I'm going, what the fuck is going on? I'm hearing this shit in my ear. And he's like ahead of us four bars. So when, like, it's like, it goes to fucking C, D, C, D. And he's going like D, C. DC and I'm like looking at him and we're just locked into this rhythm of wrongness and I'm like no this can't <laughs> happen now this is the first song in 25 years this band has ever played like everybody flew in from all over the world for this I'm like this is not happening this is not happening <laughs> but after that song it was anyway just a little nerves yeah that's my answer to that um yes that's not how i remember our lawyers contacted your lawyers and after several <laughs> yeah our gatekeeper connected you <laughs> so we'll go around the uh bin here uh each of you it's the nature of the podcast what are your favorite horror films oh by the way tim tim did voiceover for the gate too what yeah i have yeah i have I got, photography yeah. of that he did all the screams for the gate too yeah, but they didn't use them. Really? They didn't use them. But they did. They did not use them. Oh. So okay. yeah, the, the yeah the story yeah the story with that was somehow we got I guess I think Ron Gowdy who produced uh, Paradise, Paradise Lost, Lost must have known the, yeah must have known the guys. Ron Gowdy just recently passed away. He's, yeah. Oh. He must have known the guys that were that were doing the movie and they wanted some you know some extra soundtrack stuff for the beat too. So uh, actually, Jimmy and I went down there. I think Rob Rob did you? I think Rob went too. Uh, to some some studio in LA, and they actually, you know, they they they, they showed. Well, here's the part of the movie that we we want you to do stuff on. 
And Jimmy, you know, Jimmy like cranked up and just doing like dive bombs and just crazy shit on the guitar. And then I was just doing some like crazy ass screaming and shit. It, it was, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie, there's part of the movie in Gate 2 where the, they catch a demon in a brown paper bag and they're, and they're smoking weed and they're blowing weed in the bag. Yeah. And, and yeah. And the, and the demon goes fucking crazy when they get that. That's the whole part that we did. So <laughs> we're going like, you know, like the demon's like, like, kill, like, like ripping guys' faces off and I'm screaming at Jimmy's dive bomb and we're going like, oh, this is going to be great. Then, and then, you know, when the movie come out, like the, the year later, whenever we go to the, the theater to watch, it's like, it's just like some regular, like, you know, soundtrack crap. We're going like, hey, what happened to our shit, man? So they, they, <laughs> they you know, we went, we, we, went, we went through all that trouble and they, they never used it. I, I have no idea why they didn't. That's my horror movie uh, experience. How did I end so. up with photos with that? I have photos from that. Tape oh, I know. Yeah, your... yeah. But, uh, I, well, because I think we actually took Hazard with us, our old photographer. Okay, with too, so. yeah. Just, just to kind of document the whole cool thing. cool about so. those times, man. You had photographers. You had real shots. That shit was documented. It didn't end up on somebody's it was phone. Part of the, it, that was, got, it was that got thrown away the, for the new phone. You know? Yeah. It was part of the. Yeah. He was. He was part of the pop. He was part of the posse. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So favorite horror movies. Anyway, horror I'm movies. Gonna, I'm, I'm gonna tell top. Okay, so I'm gonna go with Rob's top three favorite horror movies. Okay. Mine don't matter. So Rob's is Lord of Illusion. Clive Barker's Lord of Illusion. Okay. That's going to be with Rob. He's going to also go with, um, no, actually, fuck. Would he, would he do a, would he do an Argento film? No, I think Tim, Tim probably come in with an Argento film like Demons or Suspiria. Um, Let's okay, ask Rob. Rob. He's right there. Okay, okay, okay Rob. Okay, hey. Rob. Hey, Rob. <laughs> Give us your top, hey, jo- top three. Yeah, he, he asked what was your favorite films, and that was my favorite film. <laughs> okay, come on. What's yours, Rob? What's your favorite horror okay, film? Okay, if I had to pick one favorite horror film, I, I'm going to pick From Beyond three times. Ah. <laughs> Did Stuart Gordon do that? Yes. Did he also do Reanimator? Yep. Stuart Gordon yeah. pretty much ran the Lovecraft Gambit. Got it. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Okay, and the, and Jeffrey Combs was in all three of those movies. Yeah. Right? Yep. Yeah, and what he's from that? Oxnard, where Jarvis was that grew up i think that's true yeah he's from the town that i was from yeah um what's up with the like when that resonator goes off like all of a sudden barbara crampton like what's up when she gets into the bondage gear and then the cop he's like in the speedos and he gets all horny and then she gets all horny on jeffrey Combs, but he's like oh like not having it like bullshit Bullshit. I always thought From Beyond was fucking weird. Like I'm not, I, I like that you like it, but it's just it's the one Stuart Gordon movie where I watch From Beyond, and I'm like, oh man, this is interesting, interesting. But it's good too. Like when Doctor Pretorius gets all like his skin is just all like, like the effects are so fucking good, dude. Yeah, you know, it's right? all, it's similar. It's lots of, lots of, it's, just, yeah. it's lots it's of right Vaseline. Yeah. Tim, what Tim, what are your favorite horror movies? Oh yeah, I would have to say shit like, you know, from beyond the thing like you just mentioned. You know, some of the classics like Frankenstein and stuff. Uh the Evil Dead movies, you know, like the comedy one, of course, uh, the last one, you know, what Army of Darkness. Yeah, that's a great one. You know, and uh, you know, I mean it's all kinds I'm not really that I'm not that big of a horror movie guy, but you know, like stuff like stuff like that I, I enjoy it, so Tim, this is a horror movie podcast, so you're excused. Well, now. I know that. Uh, yeah, well, <laughs> you know, I know it's madness, though, too. Yeah, there's all kind of, we, we do all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Hey, I will. With... I will second okay. the thing. The not the original one, but you know the 
Kurt Russell thing, that is a good, that's one of my favorite movies. Wait, it, oh yeah, that is not the original, right? Now there's a, now there's a third one, right? Yeah, there so is. So you've got the, uh, you got the thing from Another World, and then you got nice. John Carpenter's The Thing, and then you've got the <laughs> Blasphemous prequel, I guess. You're right. Well, you can't, well, you know, well, I'll, I'll, I'll also go with the, with the, uh, you know, they're not really horror movies, I guess, but I would go like, you know, Blue Velvet, Eraserhead kind of crap, too. You know? You're so, going David Lynch just all together. Yeah, yeah but I mean, oh. that, that's, more, that's more like, a, that's not horror movie stuff, but it kind of is in a way, so. Oh, anything know. anything Lynch just gets anything. underneath your skin. It makes you yeah. feel awful. Well, you oh, don't have know you seen, why. You, you've seen the one with the talking monkey, right, on Netflix? Yeah, yeah, it's pretty well, it's called, it's called, No, you guys, you guys got to watch it. Called it's what, weird, what, dude. It's what weird. Did, what, did, what did Jack do? It's like only like 15 minutes long where David Lynch himself is in the movie. He, he interrogates a, a talking monkey. It, it's as good as you would think. Oh, it's Jesus. great. It's fantastic. Well, I got I to gotta take the fifth on this because I've got me and David Lynch. I've like had a lot of like connection lately and, and been doing some things together. So I'm going to say that. I'm not. I'm not going to criticize his work. I think there's a rhyme and a reason to the things he does. So, uh, I mean, his his films. It's interesting because you go from the Elephant Man, in which was a very. I mean, it was very much a drama. Very. There's points oh, yeah. of that film that will make you want to cry. Just be. And then you go uh, Lost Highway, and you're like, oh, every yeah. bit of this film makes me feel uncomfortable. I don't want. I don't. Want I am sitting. a man. <laughs> I am a human being. Uh, dude, Mulholland <laughs> Drive. Like, oh, they're yeah, dude. Man, talk about making a lesbian seem like the most unsexy yeah, right? thing in existence. Ugh. Wait, before we lose sight of this, let me just give you my three. I'm sure I'll have much many more times on this podcast to do it, but I'm. Don't ever ask me again. Here's. I won't. My top three favorite horror films. I'm calling this the Jarvis '80s Vampire Trifecta. The three most important vampire films of the 80s. I'm not going to say of all time. It goes Fright Night, Lost Boys, Near Dark. That's that's the evolution of vampire films in the best what, era no. of horror, the 1980s. Why did yeah. Near Dark? You don't, you, like, you don't go with The Howling, too? Fuck no, that's a werewolf movie. And that's yeah, too campy. It's too campy. It's too campy. Yeah. Oh, no, Near Dark. Like, Why didn't that get a sequel? That movie is so fantastic. Because like, it's too good. Yeah, that's true. I felt like I felt like oh man, it, that film could have done a that it, it could have had a prequel, and I would have no, wanted to know every character's well, origin. Well, it was so good. Fright Night had a sequel that's that sucked. It was yeah. only good because it was only good because William Ragsdale and Roddy McDowell were re, uh, returned, and Lost Boys sequels like let's not even talk about it. Hey, what well, I think yeah. I, I, I'm I'm actually thinking of building a resonator so I can make From Beyond Two. Oh, dude. I Maybe Barbara Crampton will show up. Pop it yeah. out of your forehead right now. Dude. There you go. She's still, uh, she's it's still so, doing it's, films, it's, I think. It's, it's oh, dude, so she's great, dude. I follow her on Instagram, and I'm like, holy shit, dude. Like, you know. She still she's looks still like I, she's in the 80s, you know. She has not dude, I, DM, I DM her all the time. She's like, you're like my daughter's age. Like, yeah, well. She's going to remake a Castle Freak, isn't she? I, she's involved somehow. I thought. I thought that maybe she's a producer in it, or I know she's pretty. Thing that sucks about thing that sucks about the only thing that sucks about Castle Freak is that Jeffrey Combs got it on with that other broad and not yeah. her. You know, awesome because it, like it wasn't a sexual thing, right? Like because it was just like a thing. Like she had died, kinda, and you saw her tits because <laughs> she was stripped naked, 
But when you're fucking 14, you're like, that's pretty, that's doing something here, you know? <laughs> and like, so now I, I want to, you know. Wasn't there a, uh, there's like an empire, old empire slash uh, full moon picture. Wasn't it like the clergyman? Didn't they do a version of that with Jeffrey Combs and Barbara? They released it in like the last five or six years, but they made it like back in the 80s or 90s. And it, I don't think they did anything with it, and then they finally released it after all this time. I, that, I didn't hear about that. That must have went straight to uh, South Carolina. Uh, Video. The blockbuster. The blockbuster. We still got a few floating around. I think. Got a video I warehouse down the street. We, uh, we still have a video store. The Salzer's Video in yeah, Ventura. Yeah. We have a video I, store. It's been I around. can't believe it's still open. It's it's awesome, man. Hey, Rob, say something. One of my dreams love- is to actually make enough money to where I can open up a video store and just sit in there all day and not have to worry about anything. <laughs> yeah, the, that's the best job in the world because you'd have to do shit. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody's gonna rent anything. I'm just chilling. you'll have no customers. You know, like you have all you have all that time. Yeah. <laughs> best dude. That's the best. Yeah. So Justin and Henry, what what do you guys you guys pick three of your favorite horror um, fans. Oh, I've got them right now. Yeah, come on. Come on. All right, well, it's going to be it's going to be John Carpenter's The Thing. You're going to have okay. to uh it's going to be a a film called Jacob's Ladder, the original. Okay. Uh, and uh oh man, it's 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 Alien. I mean, what I mean, the first sci- one? Absolutely. Absolutely. Come on, the play. second one. The second one, nah, that's more of like a sci-fi action. The first one yeah. is like all the characters. You got the yeah, one-liner. The, oh, you do, but the, the first one. Second, the second, that, that, if you're going to do that, if you're going to do the second alien, you got to go with Predator, too. The first it's alien act, is like action, a alien. haunted house film. So yeah, it's yeah. The, like, gun, the gun from 1776? No. That's not <laughs> how I end the movie. The second, <laughs> the second, the second no. one was like, like you said, a sci-fi action shoot em up. Dude, oh, man, it, the listen, first. if Danny Glover's going to be in if that whole movie and then he finds a gun from the Constitution, Mel Gibson better be holding it. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> okay? No. All right? I mean... Aliens got the creepiest line. You got a fucking disembodied. I mean, you got, I mean, a beheaded android, and it's talking about how much it admires this killing machine. And it gives, you know, at the end, it gives that Ash gives that smirk, and it's like, you know, I wish you the best of luck. And it's like this thing is gonna kill every one of you. And I'm, you know, I'm a robot, and I don't give a shit. And I'm gonna enjoy every bit of this. That that movie, that whole movie, just creeps me out. Like. So basically, it's like it's like it's like a different version of the thing. You've kind of typecast your. It's the same, right? Yeah, I mean, it's, I guess it's, yeah. It's the same kind of like you know. Yeah, it it ends up being like a, a claustrophobic nightmare, you know. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, at the end though, you've got you've got a creature that you don't you know you've got a cre- you've got a creature either wearing the skin of another person or a creature that came out of another person that's hiding in vents and I mean they're kind of they're similar. Yeah, I'll give you that. It's like a, an alien version of Hannibal Lecter wearing his... But see, here's the, thing. Oh, shit, here's, yeah. the, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Like, that... I gotta say, like, I I feel you, Henry. Like, you're taking, like... You're taking the very... You're taking, like, the genius approach to these films, right? But my girlfriend pointed something out to me, actually, earlier tonight. Oh, I can give you my trash horror list. That's that's vastly different. Stop I can it. give you... I can give you Blood Diner, <laughs> which is a fantastic, <laughs> crappy horror. No, but film. I'm just saying, like, like how many times can you see a film like that, right? So it's like it's so good because the writing is so good, and 
it you, when you get into it, you're like, wow. And then you're like, fuck. Oh my God. Oh fuck. And then you're like, oh fuck. I didn't see that coming, but it couldn't have been any other way. Right? For it's sure. not the same. It's not the same from the second watch on. Whereas Fright Night, Lost Boys, and Near Dark get better and better and better and better and better you know like that's what i'm saying you you your favorite horror movies are great novels last boys isn't that a brat pack movie hey fuck you it's not a <laughs> yeah. i want to see the john hughes vampire film. yeah there you go that's what it yeah. is it's like anyway it's like Henry, with fangs it's like there's no shock and awe anymore i get like you're you're totally right they're probably they probably are the best pound for pound like story and executed on in oh, cinema. I'll give you that. No, but, but you know, know what I'm saying? It's yeah. also like it's also I had a I had a dad that, you know, his his idea of fun was going to the corner video store and renting these things when I was like ten or eleven. So, you know, I watched these and the nightmare stuck around for like eight years. So like they have a little <laughs> bit more they have a little, a little bit more impact than, you know, I'm not like the twenty two year old college students sitting around like oh i gotta i gotta philosophically dissect this film nah, you're right. You're right. Uh, so, yeah. i mean but i mean i give it to everybody hey look i've watched and i i'm sorry i got from beyond mixed with the beyond by okay. Full Chief. Okay. but man so many of those films like you watch them and you sit at the end and you're like oh i'm i'm gonna have a philosophical moment and man this has a deeper meaning and then you watch you know you watch films like Evil Dead 2 and you're like, I just fucking enjoyed this is this is everything I needed tonight. I needed to watch something that, that I'm gonna laugh and simultaneously, you know, knee jerk when I watch him cut his fucking hand off for the first <laughs> time. So horror is just a great it's just a great outlet. Whatever you're watching, whether or not you want to, you know, think a little deeper than the surface or just, you know, watch something that you cringe or laugh at, don't want to yeah, that's, that's Rob that's Rob every day watching Rachel Maddow. I think I've I've been thinking this whole time since you asked me. I had to narrow it down to three. Come on, no order. I can't do order, so we're gonna go <laughs> with the unnameable. Okay. Then we're gonna go with the warlock Julian Sands. Oh, nice. Then we're gonna go with critters. <laughs> wow! <laughs> wow! Okay. Some about that Johnny Steele power of the night stuck with me when I was a kid, and here I am. Okay, it's a shame that critters. It's a shame Critters got, you know, I think that movie was in production before Gremlins, but it got stuck because of um, something with the production company and getting it out. But it came out after Gremlins. And that's what they said that, uh, like, about Exodus Bonded by Blood was recorded before Kill Em All, but didn't come out till 85. Yeah, (laughs) so now everybody thinks it's a parody now and it's it's history. But I I remember that movie when I was young. Coming out 87, 88, something like that. And Sarah Thungle was doing their, they were almost done. They were almost retired by then. <laughs> and now you're playing baseball. One foot in hell. <laughs> I want to hear more why you guys don't like From Beyond, which was one of my top picks. Uh, I agree, Dr. Pretorius, you know, that that whole scene, you know, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's campy. I know that for sure. But I mean, it's got some pretty great uh, lines, you know. I mean, I just, and also the resonator and all that stuff. I mean, I just, but see, I, I guess I love great. it because I, I love it. Here's, here's, my, here's my problem with that movie, okay? I love the film, okay? But I also read, I've read every H.P. Lovecraft short story. I've read every Clark Ashton Smith, 
the From Beyond story is like a page long. It's really, really, really short. It's and the same it's with the cool. Yeah, right. Yeah. It's, it's yeah, well, very it's the same, short. The, the same with Total Recall. What? Philip K. Dick, Philip K. The Dick story. About? Philip, K., Philip K. Dick stories are like 30 pages long and shit. They made like movies out of them, man. So, I mean, you're, you're, you're doing the college man thing now. I mean, uh, I read one page, the thing is you're trying to like extrapolate into a whole movie. I mean, you know, they, they got to like fill it out somehow, man. So you guys are going to hate, you guys are going to hate Tim and Rob are going to hate what I'm about to say. But like when I was young, it was like, you know, Metallica was my gateway to everything, including you guys, even though you were in my own town, I didn't know you and I wasn't your father yet. Okay. <laughs> like, so like, I, like Luke, I'm your father. Yeah. So when I, heard, right, like, H, when I, when I, when I see like HP Lovecraft from beyond, I had the cassette soundtrack. I found the cassette before I knew it was a movie and I bought it because it said HP Lovecraft. Right. You know, it wasn't until way later that I had to go to a fucking library to find a book and read that and go, oh my God, every story this guy ever wrote is in one fucking book. <laughs> and like, and like, and I go to, oh my God, from beyond table of contents and I read one page and then I turn the page and it's like, uh, that's, that's you it. know, the Dun- <laughs> it's like, it's like, no, it's like next page, like the Dunwich horror. And I'm like, wait, hold on. Like this book's fucked up, you know? Like, <laughs> no, no, that's it. Right. Like, so, so, that was my gateway. Everything H.P. Lovecraft was, you know, like I had to, I had to know more, you know, right. I, I didn't know all everything to the point as, and the uncle guys know, but I took a pilgrimage a couple of years ago to Providence and did all the legwork and everywhere that guy hung out, every house he ever lived in, everywhere he ever wrote, I was hanging out in graveyards, like everything, you know, but like I went to the fucking, uh, you know, like Arkham fucking shit there, the Arkham Asylum, all, all that stuff. But uh, you you just have to you have to put your mind somewhere else, you know. And it's bands like Metallica that do that, that that expand our minds to that. It's the films like Stuart Gordon's films. No, stop, stop. I'm not finished. 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 You 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 and your your unabashed love for that crap, man. Stop. It's stop. It's I'm not finished. It's band. It's bands like Sirithungle that take our mind, that expand our mind to the Moorcock novels, the Michael Whalen stuff. You know what I'm saying? No, really. Yeah. Sirithungle's done so. It's just as much for Michael Whalen and Moorcock, I think. You know, than they've done for themselves. I really, I, I can say that now these days. I really can say that in 2021. I can fucking say that. Really, uh, Whalen's hey, done covers back. for bands that have sell sold gold or platinum records but those they, it never came back to Waylon. nobody ever knew Waylon did those covers they knew that they that he did them for sarah dungle you know so it's uh, it's crazy there's there have been so many other bands that have done album covers from michael Waylon because of sarah dungle so um anyway i'm just fucking rambling right now <laughs> i i'm i'm i haven't seen these guys i like want to go back to horror yeah come on rob you know go ahead go ahead well, you know, just like I, we never thought the Lord of the Rings could be made, um, you know, and obviously it had some short, you know, shortcomings, but I mean, still it was pretty amazing compared to the cartoon, you know, and, uh, but there's so many, so many good stories, you know, the Elric stories and a bunch of the H.P. Lovecraft, like the, I mean, I've watched probably 10 different movies of the Call of Cthulhu, which are just all just, you know, I mean, one's more like a radio thing that's kind of done like in a 50s film noir thing, which is not horrible, but I mean, 
if you use today's special effects, you could do an HP Lovecraft, uh, like, uh, matter of fact, there's a, a Dunwich Horror. There's several of them out, and they're all, they're really bad, too. If, if someone could actually take one of those uh, stories and get a really good screenplay and have really good special effects, you, you'd have, like, an, an ultimate horror film. What about, you're wrong, about the, you're wrong. What about the, 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 the recent Nick Cage one? Yeah. Color, oh, that was uh, pretty color. good. Color out of space. Color out of space. That, yeah. That I think, uh... Richard Stanley no is doing the Dunwich Stanley Horror. Stanley is second. doing a Dunwich Horror, and Guillermo del Toro has been working on uh, at the Mountain of Madness project for I don't know, a better part of a decade now. You guys are all wrong because I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. So he, with his writing, it's everything is so horrible that you can't even describe it. It's so bad and it's so outerworldly that the human language of how to describe it doesn't exist. Your eyes can't foresee it. It's it's like seeing God and the devil at the same time. There is no comprehension and there is no intuition. Yeah, but okay, so nobody so you know what? will ever, I, oh, ever okay. be able to accurately do it. Ever. Okay, okay. So I have I haven't I have I'll tell you the truth, I haven't read that much Lovecraft because a lot of it I can't get through. It's just too, you know, old you need whatever. But but then again, you're talking about. So does he actually use those terms to describe the monsters you're describing? They can't be described. They're so horrible. Blah blah blah. So he yeah, tried to in like, a way, yeah. Okay, okay. Okay. So, 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 so so to me, that's a really cheap cop out. And he does yeah. go to that well. It is. Literary, literally speaking, it's a cheap cop out. Oh, I can't describe what 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 what, what my monster is because it's so indescribably bad. Well, you know what? Fuck you, dude. Lay it out there, man. Let's hear what you got to say about it, man. Let, let, let's hear what your, your, your so undescribably delicious thing is here. I mean, you know, a lot well, of, that, 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 that's a lucky charms thing. I'm sorry. That's like yeah. indescribably delicious. A lot of the that. other writers in that circle, though, they did a pretty good job of, of, well, kind know, of that's filling not, in well, the blanks. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know what? To, to me, like I said, I haven't read that much love. To me, it's like I've read a lot of the classic like classics and stuff, you know, Milton, Dante and things like that. Oh yeah. And trying to get, trying to get through that kind of stuff is really tough because of the language that they use, you right. know, it's the terminology and the way they write and the stilted language. I mean, the stories are good and they can yeah, be made. Like and, and they, and, and they, yeah. They're for idiots like us. They're not for idiots like us because they're so indescribably delicious that we can't understand them. Yeah. If you grew up on Gilligan's Island, you're fucked. Yeah. Well, yeah, well, that's what I, that's the, hey, I, not on like, I, I grew up on Bewitched and Green Acres, my friend. Lovecraft was like an unabashed British file, so like a lot of his language was a little outdated, even well, for the time it's that just, he was writing. It's like trying to read like classic, like like Milton or Dante, it's, it's, it's old English style language and things, like Edgar Allan Poe's stories, you know what I mean? Those are, yeah, but I mean, the, those, the stories, I think just, those hold up more over time. I think that well, yeah, because, because you can ask, is, because you, because you can yeah. read them and understand them, and he right. actually explains what what. Yeah, <laughs> I'm curious to hear what Robert has to say. Well, you know, Tim said he's. I've read every Lovecraft thing over and over and over again, and there's so many good stories. And sure, he was sort of racist, but if you look back at that time, I didn't mention. I didn't mention. I didn't say nothing about being racist. I said so. They pull back everything from his history, and now they it's in the cancel culture era. Oh, I like. Know, I know. They're like, wow, they don't, but they well, don't talk about like, oh, okay, maybe he was autistic or had Asperger's and that wasn't diagnosed then. Yeah. Maybe they threw him well, in well, New York City 
and he, you know what I'm saying, yeah. right? Yeah, well, well now, yeah, now, but now they would go like, never mind the racist behind the curtain there. Just yeah, read, yeah. Read, 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 read the stories and ignore the racist well, hey, there. Hey, hey, let me step in. <laughs> you can't mention cancel culture and then you actually bringing it up. We are talking about horror. Let's set all that stuff aside and keep talking about the horror part. One of the great stories is the, the case of Charles Dexter Ward. And that's, just, that's another just amazing story, a horror at Red Hook. There's just some really good stuff there. And once again, if someone could wrap their arms around it and do justice to it. Now, at the Mountains of Madness, I have a kind of a story. I used to work with a guy, and uh, he had the same name as the guy in the book. And he actually was in Antarctica for a long time. And, oh, and so, so, I mean, I, I just, well, I know it sounds weird, but uh, what job, anyway, what that's, job that's was another this? one of my favorite <laughs> stories. I just, uh, well, his name was Dan Ford. And he was actually yep. in, they have a thing here near us, uh, Operation Deep Freeze, where they, uh, the, the, the CB guys, they drop off, they go down to Antarctica and drop off all the supplies for all the, the science. For the guys for the thing. thing. Yeah, for the thing. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Robert, have you ever, uh, have you seen, uh, have you seen uh, Dagon by chance? Yes. Yes, of course. And Isn't that a, which, wasn't that a fun little uh, kind of adaptation of Innsmouth and Dagon kind of rolled? Yeah, it is because there's there's a Dagon story, but then also the the uh, you know what's the Innsmouth one? I mean, it's stretching Shadow of the Innsmouth or yeah, Shadow yeah, over Innsmouth. Shadow. Yeah, yeah, that's an amazing story. You know, it's like all the guys' relatives turn into frog creatures because some like seaman guy like gave money or or. or or did a deal with these like uh, underwater creature guys to make sure Obadiah Marsh, I think. Was that what yeah. it was? Yeah. Wrong. Just, yeah. Um, amazing. You know, anyway, I, I love that stuff. Matter of fact, uh, I've read it so many times. I actually have. Yeah, I'll be back in a minute, guys. Uh, hey, so some, well, sometimes like when we're flying to Europe or something, we have a 20 hour flight. I'll just sit there uh, listening to uh, some guy read that. You know, you lie. You lie. You listen to, you listen to Conan on those flights. No, I got Conan too. Hey, man, I, I yeah. love I love literature, you know, and that that's kind of to, to me. That's that's the same kind of art I think that we're doing. You know, it's, we're stepping outside our bodies and we're trying to like actually put ourselves into another place to create something. Uh, you know, that's that's and I think in 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 our case, you know, we're doing like Forever Black was kind of like a really dark, kind of gloomy um, album and i think you know what was so amazing about that during this pandemic which a dark time i think the album just fit uh you know what was happening around us perfectly so i mean i just right. and that, that I, I i i can write but i can't write anything near like an actual uh novelist or stuff but i can appreciate one to do write good you know michael moorcock i love his stuff you know matter of fact he's got three other eternal champions that are just he's got quorum he's got hawk moon and all that stuff is really amazing, you know. So yeah, and kind I, of a, kind of overlooked now because it always seems to go to it goes to, I guess in um oh not not Conan the other one that gets booked into with Elric, they're like they're two that are like primarily part of the Eternal Champion. And one's Corum, and then yep. another one is Hawk Hawk Moon, and then I'm trying to think what. And there's several of them. I think his name is. Yeah. No, I mean, music and literature should be transcendent. I mean, you should, you know, if you're listening to it or you're reading, it should take you to another world. And, you know, I think that I, for one, and I'm sure Justin and I have talked about this, we've listened, you know, Forever Black took us to another place. And we, you know, for the all, you know, for all of the runtime that I think that's that that's the most important part of music is that it takes you 
away from your reality and put you into a place that, you know, you can, you don't have to think about that. You can kind of push yourself into, a, eh, if you want to say philosophical, that's fine. But, you know, it, it takes you out of, out of the moment. It makes you appreciate the music you're listening to at the moment. Well, so now, now when you're, when you're saying that though, so now the music itself does that. Is, is this a combination of the music and the, the, the imagery of the lyrics and the, oh, the sure. whole, like yeah. the whole sonic like landscape. I mean, as I mean, we, we tried to, you know, we, we, when we're doing stuff, we try to do that. We try to, you know, make it have the right feel, you know, for the, for what we're trying to express in the song wise. So right. but this is I just, mean, this it, is a layman trying to kind of jumble lyrics and music and, you know, sonic atmosphere and, you know, all of that. Into, I'm using the generic title of music, but it, I mean, obviously your guys are putting so much more in, in, in outside not of really. just the generic. <laughs> yeah, well, but I'll we're, say that we're, there, we're, there was some kind of foreshadowing here a bit. You got to think like, so to make a record, you know, like these days, like you always have to think about the vinyl because that physical format is back, right? As much as the digital age is in, we're not SoundCloud rappers. We don't make a track today and upload it and then go on Instagram and like, yeah! <laughs> you know, like, and we got the stack of money. What? And we're, like, we're already slapping bitches on the ass. We have to write the songs. It takes a couple. This album was written, recorded, mixed and mastered okay by you know october 2019 and was handed in and pressed started to be pressed on vinyl in late 2019 to be released in april of 2020 and with tim's vision tim and rob really of Waylon's thing of elric in this post-apocalyptic wasteland and the songs like before tomorrow and nightmare and stuff like this like and this thing comes out in april of 2020 when the lo- first the first lockdown happens like That's it's crazy. like it's like uh <laughs> you know so legions arise comes out uh like like 90 days before that as like a single like in late february as like a lyric video like and the fans are going nuts like after a fucking almost 30 years right legions arise like like let's like the the fans of the band come back we're coming back and then the the fucking pandemic hits and then before tomorrow comes out and then forever black and then we fucking as a single and then we go into this record it's like i mean come on you're gonna wait 30 years to do a record like what kind of foreshadowing is that it's like none of us ever thought this us as a band we were talking about this in march like what does this mean we have gigs coming up Okay, it wasn't planned, but like it, it really was the perfect storm in a way, right? Uh, kind of a macabre fate, as it were. <laughs> yeah, a, ter- a terrible macabre happenstance <laughs> of, of shit that happened. Because I mean, like I said, I mean, like like Rob said earlier in, in the uh, uh, in the in the podcast here, we're not, you know, we're not getting any younger, certainly. And this is like really like, you know, we should be out playing. You know what I mean? We got we we finally got back together after all these friggin' years put another like album out playing the, you know, going out and like, you know, meeting people and having fun with, you know, with our long suffering fans and all the new ones that want to hear, you know, the new stuff. And we're screwed for like a year, probably a year, maybe two years. You know what I mean? So, so it's really good. I mean, in a way it sucks, but like I said, we got the ED coming out, which we like, we busted our ass to do. We, we, we've taken this time. We've like, we we created another album that we're going to be doing here in the very near future which is going to be fantastic so 
it's had yeah, its pluses. Really it's had it's had it's had its pluses and minuses, mostly minuses for sure. <laughs> but I mean, it has given everybody a chance to focus on you know getting the job done as far as uh, you know content wise. But still, it just sucks. You know what I mean? You're 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 you know you've wasted a couple of years of everybody's lives. Yeah, and uh, you know for and it's you know it's it's a horrible situation, and hopefully it's going to be rectified soon, and we can all get back together and you know just go you know have some fun, play some shows. I want to die on stage. No, you don't. That can yeah. be. I, a I, you know what? I, 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 <laughs> you mean just give you me mean the of, damn? Yeah, you mean of natural. Just, you mean of natural causes. I hope. No, not. just get yeah. a bunch of sick people in a room. I don't like cool. Well, like, it's, it's been, well, you know, they, they've had like you know, there's been other things that happened at concerts. People have died, so you don't want to say I that. I don't know. I, Gigi Allen wanted that, and he ended up. Dying. What if like what if what if there was like 50 COVID metal patients, right, that were on their deathbeds, right, and they said, "Man, if I could just see one metal show, I would go up there. I would." And I would play in a room of 50 sick, dying COVID patients with just my bass. I'd do like a Derek Smalls, like, <laughs> I would just, I would go double bass, Derek Smalls, and a pod, have a pod with one arm in, and I would play both necks on the double bass, and I would, like, play my heart out to them and risk my life for that. You're are, you, are, you, are you guys willing to do that? I'd be in the crowd. <laughs> I'd be uh, actually these guys. These guys not down kids. for that. These guys have these guys have kids. Tim's got five kids, and Rob Rob has two red ones. I have twins. Hey, yeah. Listen, yeah. I, I don't want. I wanted to stay longer, but I need to probably take off here. But I wanted to thank you guys so much for uh, hosting this and having us on here. And I know some of it got kind of crazy, but hey. what people really need to know is like Sir Thungal, We want to play heavy heavy metal music, and we're going to continue to do it for as long as we've given we're given opportunity and so anything we do we're going to try our very best uh th- i mean that that that's all i got to say about that but i, I want to thank you guys again for having us and i love our movie so if you ever want us back we'll come back and talk some more about this stuff oh definitely rob and thank you for coming on and i guess we'll just be wrapping up in general now yeah sorry you're gonna have to edit this i'm sorry i don't edit okay. <laughs> just kidding <laughs> All right, gentlemen. It's been a pleasure, guys. It's been a it's been a pleasure, really. All right, guys. All right, Thank gentlemen. You very much. All right. All right. Have Take a good care, night. guys. Heavy metal right. the world. Yep. Hopefully, hopefully we'll Peace. see you guys at one of our concerts in South Carolina. We'll be there. <laughs> we'll be there. Oh, we'll absolutely. host it. Yeah. All right. There <laughs> you go. Man. All right. We'll talk cool, about man. It. All right. All right. Later. Take care.